this? This is, this is Diversified, Diversified Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. Tyson. When you're going against the odds, you've got to be creative, you've got to innovate, you've got to stand out. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen. And today, wow, you guys are in for a treat. We're going to talk all things PR, Mike Tap in the family. But our guest today, Josh Steinman, he's written for Times, Forbes, Mashable, TechCrunch. He is going to give us the game on PR from here in America all the way to China. Right now, we have him in Boston. But welcome, Josh. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kellen. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, thank you for coming on. Um, I just want to say I was watching your videos preparing for this and seeing everything you have from your uh, different businesses to Influencer Inc., which everybody needs to go check out Influencer Inc. and see what you are doing for the, the LinkedIn platforms because it's such a it's a great platform for people, whether you're an entrepreneur are um you know looking for a job but can you tell us who is josh steinman <laughs> well first and foremost i'm a husband and a dad i've i'm married i've been married for 20 years in fact i'm celebrating my 20 year anniversary next week and i've got two kids and we're working on adopting a third from china right now Oh wow! Congratulations on on twenty years and and children. I'm uh I've known my wife seventeen years. We've only been married about eleven, but that's yeah, that's you know that's goals. Love to hear those stories in today's times, especially, and on the the children. What what got you into the PR and marketing game? So it wasn't. Uh something I studied in college. It wasn't something I was even interested in, except that I'm interested in growing my business. And so I started a marketing agency in 1999. I was a college student and I started out doing web design and then we moved into branding and then we moved into search engine optimization and all that digital marketing stuff. And I ran that from 1999 to 2013. And then I ran into some trouble. We had hired an account manager who didn't do a good job and we lost all our clients. We had three clients left. We were on the verge of bankruptcy and we got rid of that account manager, but now I still had to rebuild my company up. And I went to a friend of mine, Cheryl Connor. She's a PR expert in Utah. And I went to her and I said, hey, you do PR? I've never done PR, but could this help us? Because we need to get clients fast in here to save this business. And she said, you know, really, we could get articles about you, but you should be writing articles. I had been blogging for 10 years. I had a thousand posts on my blog, but nobody really cared. But she knew that I liked writing. So she, so she said, hey, let me get you in touch with some editors and let's get you writing articles about your experiences and talking about entrepreneurship and struggle and all that. And she first connected me with Fast Company and I got an article in there and that was fun. It was kind of a big ego boost to see my name in the magazine. And then 
I noticed that Cheryl was writing for Forbes and had a permanent column there. She's writing every week for Forbes. And I asked her, how does this work with Forbes? Because you have a job, you're running a PR agency. How do you do this journalist stuff too? And she said, oh, that's just a contributor thing. I don't get paid, but I get to write for Forbes. And it's great when you're in the PR business to write for a place like Forbes. And I said, yeah, that sounds awesome. And she said, hey, my editor's coming to town in two weeks. You want me to introduce you? And I almost said no, because I was really busy. I was trying to save my business. And I thought, I can't commit to writing an article a week for Forbes. But I kept my mouth shut. And I said, sure, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love an intro. So I met the editor two weeks later. He had already seen my blog because Cheryl showed it to him. He saw the Fast Company article and he said, hey, I want you to write for Forbes. Just write the same stuff you're writing, but just write it for Forbes now. And I said, okay, let's do this. So I started writing for Forbes and that just blew up everything for my business. We got tons of leads from the writing I was doing for Forbes. Not that I was going on Forbes and promoting my company, but I was just talking about what I do, what our agency did and how other people could do the same stuff. So people would come along and they'd say, hey, here's an article about search engine optimization. This guy is in Forbes. He must know what he's doing. And why don't we just go hire his agency? He's right here in Forbes. And we got so many leads from that, generated millions of dollars for our agency, saved us, helped us grow. Now we've got offices in Asia and Europe and the US. And it all goes back to PR and getting articles in these magazines. That's how it all started. Wow, that's a great story. And, you know, so, so many people now um, are typing in, are on their resume. It's, you know, I write for Forbes, Huffington Post, this and that. It's almost like, and I want you to talk about the folks. I, I'm, I'm from the school of, I call myself the young Al Heyman, where, you know, behind the scenes was behind the scenes. But now it's the PR and marketers. You actually have to, you know, be in front, it seems. Talk about the um, validation and since you didn't go to school for that, you know, Forbes gave you, but did you feel like, okay, I'm in Forbes, I'm, I'm validated by Forbes. Um, I mean, it's almost like you get into the rock star thing. What's next? Um, was, was that for someone like myself who went to grad school and you learn, oh, always be behind the scenes, shut up, shut up, shut up. Was it easy <laughs> for you to jump in front of the camera or in front of the pin, I should say, or screen and let people know, hey, I did this, I, 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 where that used to be a taboo. It was hard. When my friend Cheryl first brought up the opportunity, my first reaction was, can I talk about other people? Because I don't really want to talk about myself. And she said, no, Josh, this isn't about you. Get over it. This is about your audience. And it's about how you can serve your audience by giving them information that's valuable to them. So I said, okay. So I don't have to talk about myself, but, and that's, that's what I went out and did. I mean, I would talk about my experiences, but it wasn't a, Hey, look at me. I'm a great guy type of thing. It was more, here's a challenge I faced. Here's what I was trying to accomplish. Here's how I overcame the challenge. Here are the lessons I learned. And maybe this will help you out too. If you're going through similar challenges to what I went through. So it wasn't like, hey, I'm great. It was more like, I'm an idiot. I made a ton of mistakes, but here's what I learned. And maybe this will be helpful for you. And you don't have to make the same mistakes I made. And that's how I approached that. And that was comfortable for me to write that way. And people responded and said, hey, I like that you're sharing. Like it didn't just work out for you. And you went through these struggles. And 
here's how you overcame it because I'm going through that too right now. And so I found a connection there sharing my challenges and opening up and getting vulnerable because that's what everybody else is going through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's going through the challenges. And I really liked one of your videos. um, And you talked about, you know, the pitfalls of even trying to sell a um a package um like a curriculum that you hadn't wrote yet completed yet and that people you know had bought into and that how wording um can really in in this business mess you up because the language we talk and i've had um various clients um with our representatives say your representatives are speaking you know they might as well be speaking greek because we don't understand this language and your word was like placement and people i guess don't fully understand that and that gives us an opportunity to teach and i love curriculums i love systems but you know that you talk about that because a lot of people in your position who've done ted talks who you know written books and everything it's almost like hey you give them the great and you don't tell them those certain people don't tell them the pitfalls hey i made you know this many millions of dollars but you didn't say how many hundreds of thousands or millions you've also it, it's cost you so i really appreciated that in your videos um about the mistakes if you were talking to let's say the 14 year old kid who says you know what i i love this i want to do marketing i want to you know get in this business, what would be your advice as far as where to get started? Well, for me, I mean, I just know what I went through, which is I never went to Columbia School of Journalism or anything like that. I, ne- I, I think I took one writing course when I was in college, creative writing or something like that. And I always enjoyed writing, but I didn't see myself as a writer. And yet when I sat down and I started writing for Forbes, it was so natural and easy and I loved it. And I felt like I had found my home, my natural environment. And this didn't happen to me until I was in my 30s. So I'm here in my 30s, finally discovering like, oh, I I have a talent for this or a gift for this. And I enjoy doing this. But I think the reason it came easily to me is because I grew up reading a lot of books. My mom started reading to me when I was a little kid. I remember her sitting on a little chair by my bed at night, and she'd bring me some slices of apple with peanut butter, and she'd read books to me while I was eating my apple slices. And I grew up loving books and just loving reading, and my mom always took me to the library, and she, like, we were, my parents were pretty frugal, but when it came to books, they'd take me to the bookstore, and I could just get whatever I wanted at the bookstore. And So I loved reading, loved books. So then when I started writing, I would write and it just was natural. I knew how sentences should go together. I knew where words should be placed. I knew which word to use when. And I don't do it consciously. It just kind of flows out. But I think that's because so much reading has been stuffed in over the years. So if I were talking to a kid who's saying, I want to get into marketing someday, First, I'd say, you got to learn how to write. Even if you're going to do video, even if you're going to do other stuff, you need to learn how to write because when you learn how to write, you learn how to speak. You learn how to create messages. And even if you're just writing half a sentence that is the title for a video at the beginning of a video or something, you need to know how to say that the right way. And that's writing, even if it's short. And so if you read a lot, you'll learn how to write well. You'll learn how to speak well. 
you'll really learn how to communicate well. And that's what marketing is all about is communication, getting two people's minds to be on the same page. Yes. And, and you said where you did not go to school, but I want to just stress that where he did go to school, the glory of God is intelligence, enter to learn, go forth to serve. The world is our campus. BYU. So he did go to school. He just didn't go for journalism or he didn't go for PR. But, you know, Brigham Young University is one of those um, colleges that, uh, you know, us growing up in the Bay Area, we love to watch, um, you know, being a, a Stanford fan and my family going to Stanford, me going to the Harvard of the South, Grambling State. Um, you know, we, we have to stress that education because someone will say, oh, I don't need school. I can just start doing this now. And they could start doing it now. And I, I tell children all the time and young people do it now. But, you know, can you stress how your education has helped you? Um, because PR and marketing, you can learn, I think, at any point in life. Yeah. I mean, I'm proof of that. I didn't go to school for it, but I'm, I mean, my business does PR too. I mean, we do placements, we get people into these magazines and stuff. So like, we just picked that up. But the great thing about education is, well, number one, you get out of education what you put into it, right? I mean, you can't go to a college and expect that they are going to make you into somebody successful. They're giving you a platform. They're giving you tools. They're giving you options and choices, but it's up to you to make something out of that. And second of all, I think one of the most valuable things I learned at college was I knew I came out of there knowing what somebody who has a college degree knows. And what I know is that you don't really know that much when you graduate from college. Most of what you're going to learn in life is going to come from real experience. But if I had not gone to college, I would think that everybody who went to college was 10 times smarter than I was, and I wasn't cut out to compete with them. And man, if they have an MBA, there's no way that I know what they know. But having gone to school and done MBA classes and all that stuff, now I can look at people and say, all right, Mr. Hotshot, yeah, you got an MBA from Harvard or whatever, but I know that you don't know that much. Yeah, you might be a smart person, you might have a lot of potential, but you're not a genius just because you went to college, you're just getting started here. And so not that I use that to look down on people or something or put people down, but it's, it's a leveling thing where the older I get, the more I realize none of us knows that much. We're all a bunch of kids running around trying to figure stuff out. And even the people who went to college and think they know everything, they're trying to figure stuff out just the same as the rest of us. And that helps me relate to people and talk to people and feel comfortable with people. It's one of the things I think about when I get on stage and I'm speaking is, hey, these people don't know anything. I don't know anything. We're all idiots. Maybe I have a little something I can share and we can learn from each other, but we're all trying to figure this game of life out that that's funny um and, and you know you're right there in boston and i've i've lived in springfield massachusetts we lived all, all over and it's funny that you know it, it, everyone fights in high school to get into certain colleges and where you end up is kind of where you you know life will take you and where you you know you want to be depending on where but it's once you're older no one really cares that you went to Harvard or Yale um, or, you know, wherever. No, no one cares. You know, what are you doing now with your education? And, and I almost 
think of when you make your first whatever big money, you know, it's like, okay, you've made some money, you have some money, then what? Now what? What are you going to do? So if you die today, is that all you are? Is uh, your education or where you have been, um, you know, and, and I'm always thinking about how you can serve people because that is what makes a um, great life. Tell us about the Influencer Inc. platform and what have, where have you cracked the code on LinkedIn? Why should everybody be on LinkedIn and why should they come right now and sign up for the Influencer Inc.? Well, the way Influencer Inc. came about was that after I was writing for Forbes and all these publications, and I ended up writing hundreds of articles for a couple of dozen publications, when, once I got my name out there doing all that writing, that led to a book deal, that led to a TEDx talk, that led to a bunch of things that brought more attention to me. And then people started coming to me and asking, how did you do this? And how can I do this for my business? Because they saw how the connection between my writing helped grow my business and brought in revenue. People wanted a part of that. So at first I just answered people's questions, but then I thought, man, there are too many people asking questions. I should write a book or something. So I started working on a book idea and then somebody came along and said, hey, can I pay you to coach me? And I thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe I should do coaching. And I thought maybe I should do an online course. And so all this just kind of came together and turned into this separate business called Influencer Inc. And my philosophy is, I think most people in the world are good. we got a few bad apples out there, but most people are good people. And if I can help people become more influential, they'll use that influence to make the world a better place. So that's my mission with Influencer Inc. because I want to turn people into more influential people. And one of the places, now, the thing is, it's easy to say I want to help people become more influential, but people want to make money. That's just reality. People have good intentions, but they also got to put food on the table. So we started out with different types of courses, but we gravitated towards LinkedIn because we found that that was an area where people were really interested in it because it affects their careers or they're growing their business or something. And so there was more interest there than in some of the other areas that we were looking at earlier. And I had been playing around with LinkedIn and had had some success. I had figured out how to write posts that were getting millions of views and getting lots of attention and generating sales for my business. So I had kind of figured out some of these tricks. And so then we started launching, a, we launched a LinkedIn course and then people took the course and said, hey, this is great stuff, but can you just do this for me? So then we launched a done-for-you service where we take over executives' profiles and we do everything. We optimize it. We make the connections. We ghostwrite the content for them and manage their entire profile for them. And then they use that as a marketing tool to promote their business. So this all just happened organically. But for me, a lot of this is just a game. It's fun. It's fun to get on LinkedIn, experiment, try stuff. Sometimes it fails. Most of the time it fails. But then sometimes it works and you think, huh, that worked. And then you go and you experiment with that and you try something else and you see, oh, that works too. I think the biggest thing holding people back from success on LinkedIn is they're afraid to experiment. They're afraid to do anything wrong. So they don't do anything. So they don't discover how to do this stuff the right way. I've made so many mistakes on LinkedIn. I've done stuff where people have called me out and they're like, this is stupid. You shouldn't be doing this. This is the wrong way to do it. And I've looked at that and be like, well, 
I'm a scientist. This is an experiment. Yeah, if it doesn't work, I won't do it again. But I'm going to try everything and see what works. And I figured out what worked and what didn't. And now that's what we're helping people do through Influencer Inc. is helping them figure out that LinkedIn game. And I got my new book coming out soon. It's up for pre-order right now. It's called 60 Days to LinkedIn Mastery. And we're trying to push this whole LinkedIn game because that's where everything seems to be happening on social media these days in terms of doing real business. It's all happening on LinkedIn. Now, I know someone's listening right now and they're like, wait, you'll manage our LinkedIn for us? And, you know, they they may be used to like a uh, Fiverr offer managing your LinkedIn. So you give <laughs> like a range in the different packages so you don't get flooded with, hey, I got five bucks, uh, manage my LinkedIn. What does that process look like and what is like a ballpark or you know where they can start what that may cost them yeah for somebody who's thinking uh that this is comparable to something off fiverr when i say what how much it costs it's like vomit in the mouth expensive it's so we charge twenty five hundred dollars a month to manage somebody's profile so if you're just getting started with a business or you think oh yeah i could use some help on my linkedin profile you're gonna hear that and you're gonna be like what no way where this really fits is for executives who have a larger business. So the people we're working with, they might have a company that's doing five, 10, 50 million or something, and they're just super busy. They've got a hundred or 200 employees. They don't have time to spend a half hour to an hour on LinkedIn every day. They've got so many things coming at them, but usually what happens is their marketing team goes to them and says, you need to invest on LinkedIn. You need to be doing thought leadership stuff. You need to be out there talking about what we do and giving tips and engaging with people. And the CEO says, no way, I don't have time for this. Like, there's no way I can do this. So that's when they come to us and they say, hey, this matters for our business. If we do this the right way, we might make an extra million, two, three million next year. So for those people, they hear 2,500 and they're like, done, easy. Okay, let's just do this. So it's not for everybody, but it fits with some people. But we have our course for other people who say, well, there's no way I'm paying that. Well, great. We got a course that costs 500 bucks and you can go through this whole course and learn how to do all of this stuff for yourself. And that's a better fit for a lot of people. And, and, and since we're talking about money and I love being able to talk about money because it's so interesting that, you know, we've had, we've had various clients and there's some people who told me, Kellen, I can't afford you, but you can't leave me. We need you. And, <laughs> and, and, and they've asked, you know, we represent a, a, a lot of um, different people, but the influencers will, will, will stay on that with the YouTube. And I've had clients come and say, you know, I, my business is small or it's a passion business. And can you work with us? And, you know, you send it your scope of work and what your capability statements and all that. And they ask you about another client. Maybe they know that person and they say, well, how do you work with that person? Because, you know, we want to pay, but how do you work with them? And you're like, well, that person pays me $4,000 a month or, or mm-hmm. you know, um, and it, it, it's interesting that people sometimes are shocked, like, wait, you get paid that per client? Like, there's a lot of work that goes yeah. in. And, you know, I, I have a team, so I, I get a um, whatever two pennies that come in, you know, we start splitting pennies and make sure everyone's paid first. Entrepreneurs always paid last. And I hire entrepreneurs. 
But can you talk about, you know, someone here, $2,500 a month for, for LinkedIn, has that been something that you've had to, you know, get people even teach them that? Because some folks would be like shocked. They'll say, no, Fiverr said it was $100 a month. How do you deal <laughs> with, with, with that um, sticker shock, we may call it, you know? Yeah, I mean, the way we deal with it is we just tell them, hey, this isn't for everybody, and this might not be the right fit for you right now. Maybe later it will be, but if, if this is a high price, it's probably not a fit. You should go check out our course or buy my book or something. That's a better fit for you. And yeah, it just takes a lot of work. I mean, back in, so when I was running my agency from 2003 to 2007, four years, I didn't take a paycheck for those entire four years. We were living off my wife's income and she was not making a lot of money either. I mean, we were living in studio apartment above a garage and we had one car, like we were broke. And that's how I ran my business for four years. We did not make money. It was just one mistake after another. Things weren't coming together. But people thought that we were really successful and we were charging people good money, but it was just, I was making mistakes as a business owner. And so there was never any money left over to pay myself. And people would come and they'd be like, oh, this is too expensive. I mean, are you trying to buy a mansion? And I'm, I was like, I'm just trying to get paid here. I'm trying to take a paycheck. I haven't been paid for two years. I haven't been paid for three years. Like I am not getting rich off of what we are charging you. In fact, I should probably be charging you double so I can actually contribute to our household. But yeah, when people see some of these prices, they freak out, but that just means it's not the right service for them because there are other people that come in and we throw these prices out and they're just like, okay, great, let's do it. And so we try to find those clients that it's a match for. And when it's not a match, we just tell them, hey, this probably isn't the right fit for you. And for the, the, the fellow marketers who listen to that, um, I, and I've had um, I, I love mentorship and I love to also mentor, whether it be, you know, right at my house or even in the prison system or the jail system or group homes where I, I used to work in, in different things. Um, and they say, you know, how do I get clients to pay that? Or how do I find these people? And for me, I tell people anything that I do is it, really a gift from God and hard work. He, he gives me weird sleeping patterns, so I stay working. He, he allows me to travel, um, and a lot of times with my family, and my family has, you know, my wife loves to sleep in once we get there. Uh, and my kids, my daughters do too with her, so I get to go out and kind of explore the city. How do you find those clients? Because I do a ton of networking, but you've gone, you know, to China and, and different places but is the bulk of it coming overseas where they look at you like, you know, oh, they hear the angel singing and say, yes, America is here. Are you getting them here in America? Because I find that internationally, it's a lot easier for us to um, close a sale, especially in Africa, where my wife is from. Um, but how are you grabbing those clients for the marketers that are listening? Man, this was my big question when I started everything 20 years ago. I remember calling somebody, a friend of mine who worked in an agency, and I was like, dude, how do I get clients? I just quit my job, and I started an agency, and I just realized I have no clue how to get clients. And it took me years to figure that out. And, you know, there's this interesting dynamic. When you're desperate for clients, 
you make bad decisions. I saw a stat yesterday that the that businesses that are started by somebody part-time, meaning they keep their full-time job, but then they're also starting a business on the side, those businesses are like 30% more successful than the ones where they just quit their job and jump in. And that floored me because I would think it would be totally the opposite. Like, hey, if you jump ship and you're committed and you're all in, of course you're going to be more successful than the guy who's keeping one foot in the full-time job and one one foot in the uh, entrepreneur side of things. But I realized that this did ring true with my own experience, which is when you're all in, when you've jumped from that full-time job and you're running your business full-time, you are in a desperate situation. And when we're in desperate situations, we we make bad decisions. Decisions like a client comes along and says, oh, I can't pay your 2,500 a month. How about 1,250 a month? And you're like, oh man, I'm so desperate fine, I'll take this. That's a bad decision. But if you have a full-time job, you're like, no, this is what we're worth. This is what we charge. And then they come back and they're like, okay, yeah, we'll pay the 2,500. But when you're desperate, you're so scared, you you make bad decisions like that. So that rang true for me and because earlier in my business, I was discounting. I was doing everything to just get the business. And I think that ended up hurting me in the long run because people felt like, oh, Josh is desperate. And you don't really trust the desperate people to do a good job. When people say, no, this is my price, take it or leave it. People like that. Clients like that. They want to work with somebody who's confident about their work and is busy and isn't desperate for your work. If, you, if, if you're desperate for work, that sends a message to clients. Hey, this person might not be very good because if they were really good, why are they so desperate for work? Right? So I think that's number one is there's kind of this aura that you give off of confidence or lack of confidence. And it can't be a fake thing where you're just faking confidence. You've got to really have it and say, I know that my stuff is worth this much. And I think that sends off this, this uh, spirit or this aura that people pick up on and then they trust you. But the other side of attracting clients for me was I was always trying to go out and find clients. So I did a lot of networking. I was Mr. Networking in Utah. Everybody knew me. I knew everybody. And it didn't work. I didn't get clients from it. And maybe I was doing it the wrong way. I just wasn't, I mean, I'm a little bit introverted. So maybe I just wasn't that good at it. But for me, it all came together when I started doing my writing for Forbes because then people were coming to me. And when they were coming to me, They had already read the article and they were already sold. So whereas before I'd go out and network and then I'd have a meeting with somebody and I'd try to sell them on an idea. Instead, people were coming to me from Forbes and they were saying, I read your article. I saw that you're in Forbes. I'm ready to go. Send me a contract. I mean, literally we would get calls like this and we're just like, wow, like we didn't even sell that at all. Like they were already sold before they came to us. And that's the power of inbound marketing or content marketing or PR is that you sell people and the right people find you because of that content. That's the way that I sell. So I don't go, I don't do outbound. I don't do networking. I mean, I'll go to things, but I'm doing it more just because I enjoy it, not because it's a sales thing. And when it comes to the marketing and finding clients, I'm all about putting content out there that your ideal audience looks at and says, this is valuable and I want more of this. And that comes from giving out your secrets, telling people what you do, exactly how to do it. Because 
99 out of 100 people are going to read how to do it, they're not going to say, oh, great, now I can go do it myself. They're going to say, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm too busy to do this. Let's just go hire this guy because he's proved to us with this content that he knows what he's doing. So I'm all about that, putting content out there and letting the clients come to you. You guys are getting the game, and that is it's a great – I love that. I love that. And and people hear us all the time. I started writing for magazines and, and then I knew all the PR people. And then the magazine game, you know, when I was in college, took a little dip. And I said, you know, I always liked the PR folks that I would be on press junkets with. Um, so it, it just was natural. And they say I'm a walking billboard. And now with kids, I get out to network sometimes just to <laughs> talk to adults. Um, you know, about business and, and plus getting to know the city. We kind of move every four years. My wife is in her last few weeks of a residency and it's like, you know, um, getting to know new cities and, and different things. So, but I, I love that, you know, again, the Forbes, the writing has people come to you and that's where you want to be. Cause we're not, I, I've never ran an ad. I've had ads in magazines and they were clients we represented, but I've never ran an ad. One, I've never been that desperate because, hey, I'll work a job. <laughs> you know, I will work a job if need be. It's been, it's been years now, but I don't mind. And I find when you were talking about, you know, being all in, when I was in school or if I was at a job, especially if I did not like the job, I would put so much energy and be so creative in school, in college, writing, even in high school, middle school, just writing ideas down because I'm like, I really don't want to be here. So there, that study, where was that study from um, of the 30%? Um, I don't know. I heard about it from Derek Halpern, who does social triggers, and he sent out an email and it just came to me while we were talking. I was like, hey, there was this interesting stat that's related to this, but I don't know exactly where it came from, but if you look up uh, Derek Halpern and social, social Triggers, I'm sure it's on his Twitter or something somewhere. Okay, awesome, awesome. And I, and I really want to make sure when, you know, when people say numbers, um, that 2,500 next month could even be double, just so you guys know. So I don't want you, you know, calling them and, and then expecting the world, because I break those prices and things down. I say, divide that by 160 hours for the month and see mm -hmm. how much you're paying someone, you know, don't think that Josh is, you're paying for his Aston Martin uh, payment for, you know, a month or two with that payment. Cause it's just interesting how certain clients, you know, you were talking about, Hey, you're trying to buy a mansion. And I've seen clients who don't follow me on social media. They kill it. I know that fancy car that you were racing is expensive but my goodness can you come down and i'm like well first thanks for watching but not following second that fancy car that you saw me racing was a groupon it was 90 bucks um i have kids <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> they got stuff that they want so you know but it you know social media it's one of those things you spoke earlier about posting things and people criticizing how do you take that? Because everybody now on social media is a critic to tell you how to run your business or your profile. And I love the days of MySpace where you could tell people, hey, this is my space. Leave me alone. But how do you deal with that? 
You know, I've, I stay away from controversial stuff for the most part, but if you put yourself out there, you're going to get hurt. Like, it doesn't matter. If you're out there writing and publishing content, you're stepping into the boxing ring and you're going to get smacked every once in a while. It, do, it doesn't matter what you write about. It's going to happen because there are trolls out there. And what I've learned is that everybody out there is dealing with something. Everybody is in some sort of pain. It doesn't matter who they are. And some people take out that pain by putting other people down because it builds them up or misery loves company or whatever. But everybody's dealing with something. So when I see somebody who's being a troll and they're mean and they leave these bad comments, I look at that. And yeah, sometimes it gets to me and I'm like, dang it, like, oh, man, how dare they say that? But then I think to my, I take a step back and I'm like, you know what? They're probably dealing with something. Maybe that guy's wife just left him. Maybe his kids are on drugs. Like, I don't know. Like maybe this guy is really struggling with some real stuff and he's just having a bad day. And I, he just happened to catch me and something I said rubbed him the wrong way. And so now he's just taking it out on me. But I don't know this guy. It's not personal. Like he doesn't know me. So what he has to say, I look at that and I say, does he have a point? I mean, is there anything in what he's saying that I can learn from and that can help me do a better job? I look at that and then I say, you know what? This guy's going through something. And really my favorite thing to do, and I've, I've done this a bunch and it works almost every time, is I love engaging those people with no sarcasm, no like I'm trying to get you back or anything, but just like being honest and sincere and saying, hey, thank you for your feedback. I appreciate that. Um, and you know, I'm trying to do better at this or something. And I've been able to turn around so many of those conversations and have people come back after we engage and they say, you know what, I'm kind of sorry. I was lashing out at you, but I really appreciate how you responded. And I thought you were a jerk, but now I think you're okay. And I've developed relationships from those things sometimes. So if you turn the other cheek and you reach out to these people, sometimes that's what they really need is they need some human connection because maybe there's something they're not getting and you can provide that and actually help these people. And sometimes these people can become your biggest fans because you don't respond like everybody else does to them and fight back. That That's awesome. And I love the, the turn the other cheek because it's really sometimes on mine, the, you know, come to Jesus moments. I, I look at the, some comments and we get a death threat every week for some influencers, you know, depending on who they are. And some even have FBI, you know, cases and, you know, people monitoring them because they have stalkers, uh, especially, you know, the uh, women um, who uh -huh. are on YouTube, whatnot. And you're like, whoa, these people are really nuts and really yeah. crazy. And you really, it, it takes a lot. And, and I know that just dealing in, you know, in life, and if you deal with any type of ministry, you really have to have a loving heart and you have to, you, your mind has to be there. One, you have to be in tune because if not, it's so easy, especially myself. I, I, I'm from o Oakland, California. It's so easy to go into survival mode and be like, hold on, you said what? Hey, meet me here, here, here. But, you know, <laughs> turning the other cheek is and, and, and showing that love. I mean, yeah, that's um, that's the, the message that we want to give and, and let people know that it is. It's just social media, folks. Um, these folks don't know you. And everyone has an opinion. And if you're too sensitive, 
maybe you shouldn't be on social media or maybe you should have someone like Josh, an influencer, Inc., manage your profile because <laughs> anxiety and drug uh -huh. use is like on the rise in America. And we're not, you know, and, and I don't know, you can speak on Asia, but I know in Africa, it's not like this. And I don't see when we're in Europe and in Malta, I don't see people really even caring that much. But, you know, um, do you think that your international experience has um, grown your business? And is it easier to do business internationally? Uh, it's definitely grown the business. It's a plus because it gives us a unique selling point with certain clients. Now, if I just go to some client in the U.S. who's trying to grow domestic, uh, domestically and I say, hey, we have offices in Hong Kong, then it's just like, okay, cool, whatever. It's not a big deal to them. But where it really helps us is we went into a client's office in China and this client said to us, we're looking for a digital marketing agency that has offices in the U.S. We could check that one off and has an office here in China. Check that one off. And it's run by Americans. We check that one off. We looked at them. We're like, do you know of any other agency that matches what you just said? And they're like, no, actually, we don't. We haven't been able to find any others. We're like, all right, we'll send you a contract tomorrow. And we signed a deal two days later <laughs> because... We matched exactly what they were looking for. They needed somebody who had, because they're trying, they're trying to go from China into the U.S. They're trying to get into the U.S. market, but they wanted somebody they could talk to face-to-face -to -face at the same time, but they didn't. There are all these agencies in China that say that they can help you get into the U.S., but they're run by people in China who have never been to the U.S., don't even understand Facebook, and yet they're charging thousands of dollars a month to manage Facebook campaigns. So we we're able to go in there and say, hey, We've got our U.S. team. We've got our China team. We can work both sides of this, and we really get it, and we're here on the ground, and we can talk to you face-to-face. -face. That's a killer proposition for those people. So that definitely has helped us grow. And I think in terms of credibility, it's helped as well. Uh, but for me, it's just it's fun to do this international thing. For me, it's like, all right, where can we open an office next? Because I want to have an excuse to go travel over there. So I'm like, I want to open an office in Israel because I want an excuse to go to Israel <laughs> and hang out there. And I love that place. So, um, but in terms of whether it's easier to open internationally versus the U.S., yeah, there is some of that, but it's very functional. I don't think we've really picked up business because people have just thought it would be cool to work with an American agency or because we're from the U.S., there's like the lights and the music and all that. Like it hasn't been that way. It's just very tactical. There are companies in other countries that are trying to get into the U.S. market because we have the largest, most prosperous, highest spending per capita market in the world. And in some ways, that's not such a great thing. I mean, we have consumerism is crazy out of control in the U.S. and we're very hung up on material possessions and all that. But for people in other countries, they're looking at this and it's just a pot of gold for them. They're saying, hey, if I can get my product into the U.S., I've got it made. And I've seen those people in China who did do that. The guy who was in the field farming, and now he's running an internet business, and he's bringing in 200, US, 200 grand U.S. a month, and he's driving his nice cars around. And this all happened to him in three or four years because he figured out how to do that. Now everybody in China wants to figure out how to do that. And when they come to us, they say, hey, you're from the U.S., you can help us get in there. 
And that's what they're looking for is just, they want that tactical advice. And, you know, I'd love to see a video from you in the future and you guys go check out in all the description in the description when you see this, um, you'll see his link for his YouTube. I'd love to see a video on how you open up businesses um, overseas because I've seen, and many of folks, even in the U.S., have been duped. I've had clients say, hey, this lawyer who has, you know, five different offices, one being downtown New York, wants to do something and blah, 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 and he wants to do this investment. And we are PR folks, we're consultants, and we handle our clients' money. For, um, for those who have enough of it for us to handle. And, you know, the, when I when I look and I research, and I used to be in investigations um, prior, and I look and I say, hold on, they get their mail in New York, but they don't have an office. That's yep. a co-working space, or that, you know, that they're doing this shared thing, or, you know, they get their mail. I'd love to see a video on that, because I don't think people fully grasp that just because you get your mail somewhere, I know if, if it's sent to the Cayman Islands or, you know, whatever, and you're trying to funnel money, hey, okay, you got your office, you're evading taxes, great. But that doesn't mean you're in the heart of New York City. Because if I come and I come to New York and I want to sit with you, and you're like, oh, the office is pre-booked right now. So I'd love to see a video, but if you give a brief <laughs> how you decide and, and how you manage your people when you're in Boston and they are, you know, around the world. That would be a fun video to make because, yeah, it is so easy. I mean, if I wanted to say that I had 20 offices around the world, I could do that for a couple of hundred bucks a month, maybe a couple of thousand dollars a month. I would just have to go and get a bunch of co-working spaces. You get the address, you get the phone number, you can receive mail, you can incorporate in a country for pretty cheap. And so if I wanted to go open an office in Australia and then Dubai and all these places, we're talk we're not talking like ten, twenty thousand dollars. Maybe that's what it was ten or twenty years ago, but now it's like we work fifty bucks a month. You've got your address, you've got your phone number. Then incorporation, yeah, maybe it's a couple hundred bucks if you do it yourself, if you pay somebody else to do it. I mean, we incorporated in China, it cost us maybe four thousand dollars to set up a business in China. Then we went and got a bank account and we were set up in China. I mean, it's not that expensive and it's not that hard. And people think, oh, it's so hard to go overseas and do all this business stuff. It's like, yeah, I mean, there's some hoops to jump through, but it's not any harder than setting up a business in California if you're living in Minnesota. In fact, it might be easier than doing that and cheaper because it's like a thousand bucks a year to incorporate or have a business in California. And then you get hit with all sorts of taxes and stuff. I mean, like it was easier setting up a business in China than it was when I set up a business in California. So it's very easy to fake people out and create this international presence. Uh, so yeah, we have boots on the ground. We have people there and that's what we tell people. We're like, Hey, we've got 10 people in Hong Kong. You can come visit our office. You can meet everybody. We've got 10, 15 people in Phoenix. You can come there. You can meet those people in that office. It makes a difference to people. Wow. You guys, so you got to watch, you got to stay tuned. Josh, Simley.com, InfluencerInc.co, and he, his, one of his, his books is on Amazon. Just put in his name, and you'll see the chief marketing officers at work, and, you know, he has great reviews on there. 
Josh, before we wrap up, I know if Tyson was here, he'd ask the question, and we want to make sure, you know, we didn't miss anything, and we want you to, you know, promote anything we, we might have missed, but um, if you could tell us, what is your charitable give back? Because Tyson was here, that would be his question. What is your charitable give back that you're doing or that you want to do in the future? Um. So that's a hard one, you know, because when you uh, talk about charity, then suddenly it doesn't seem that charitable anymore. But, uh, you know, one thing I just did was uh, we did a giveaway. We have a, this online course for LinkedIn. And the nice thing about having an online course is, I mean, you make that investment, but once you've made that investment, it's kind of done. And you can give that away for free to people and it doesn't cost you anything. Now, don't flood me with requests to get the course for free because... We don't do that except in really rare situations. But the other week we thought, you know what? We love military veterans. I don't agree with everything that the military does, but in terms of the the guys and the gals who are out there doing it, like I support those people. My father-in-law was a career man in the Air Force. My dad's an Air Force veteran. So I look at these veterans and I'm like, man, these people get paid dirt and they're in dangerous situations. They're doing dirty jobs and stuff. And then they come back. And they really struggle to find work sometimes because it's hard to translate those skills sometimes to the private industry world. So I thought they could really use this course, but I know a lot of these people don't have much money. So I did a thing on LinkedIn the other day. And I just said, hey, if you're a veteran and you're, you need help on LinkedIn, I've got a course. I'll give it to you for free if you're a veteran and just respond on this post and say, I want it. And I thought maybe like 50 people would respond and be like, oh, yeah, I want your course. I had over a thousand people respond to that post. It took me over a week to send out messages to everybody with their discount code so they could get it for free. But I love doing stuff like that. I love giving to people who are making sacrifices, who need help. And I have a soft spot for veterans, for single parents. Um, it's... Uh, and when I have something that is just sitting in my lap that I can give away for free and it doesn't cost me anything, I'm like, hey, like if somebody's in need, they're not going to buy this anyway. But if I can give it to them and help them out, then I'm more than happy to do that. Because other people who can pay for it, they're essentially funding me being able to give it away to those people. They're funding that scholarship, so to speak. So that's one of the things that I like to do. Wow, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, don't flood him any more than he's been flooded. Yeah. Is, is there anything else that we've, you know, uh, not tapped into that you want to promote before we um, sign off? Well, I appreciate you giving me a chance to talk about stuff that we're selling and stuff, but uh, now you've been too kind. You've uh, given so much here, Kellen. It's been great to chat with you, and I just love I love the idea that there might be a 14-year-old kid out there listening to this, or there might be somebody who's hard up and trying to find a job or something. And I mean, we could dig into LinkedIn and stuff so much more, but there is so much opportunity out there for people. And if there's anything that I can give, I just want to give people a sense of hope that you can figure this out. I'm not that smart, and I have figured out stuff by looking at what other people do. I mean, I, in the last year, I created a six-figure business, a business that if I were doing all the work by myself, which I could do, I'd be making six figures off of that business. And I created that out of nothing within the past year. 
And you can do this too. Anybody who's got half a brain, knows how to write a little bit, is reasonably competent and organized at getting stuff done, like not a genius, but just like a normal person who can get stuff done. You can do these things, but I think there are too many people who are just trapped in this mindset that, oh, somebody has to give me a job. I can't make a job. I've got to go find somebody who's going to give it to me. Forget that. Go make your own job. Go create a job for yourself. Be your own boss. I mean, you're still a slave because you'll have clients or whatever. You'll have 10 bosses instead of one, but you still feel a sense of control and people can do this. And you can do this when you're 14. You can do it when you're 20. You can do it when you're 70. People who feel like they're too old. Oh, I can't learn new stuff. No, like six months, you can learn something new and you could create a business around that and have a healthy income. Josh has given you the game. Those are words to live by. I thank you for coming on and, and spreading this this spirit of entrepreneurship and just education and, and bettering yourself. So um, I've added you on LinkedIn. Hopefully I don't get lost in the sauce and you, you see that, but I look forward to connecting. And, um, you know, again, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Kellen, for having me on. It's been so fun to talk to you. Thank you. You too. So I think this is a good place to stop our dialogue for this episode and allow you, the listeners, to join the conversation and keep the dialogue going with us online. You can do so by visiting our social media at Facebook, Diversified Game Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter, Game Diversified, online, diversifiedgame.com. In your life with the people around you and or join our Patreon and get some nice perks for being involved. If you found a nugget and or like today's episode, you might as well leave a review. And if you leave a review, you might as well share it. If you share it, you might as well subscribe. And as always, thanks for your support. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and A.L., the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifiedgame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.